Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hello, church, and uh, welcome to our Wednesday night service. Uh, first of all, first and foremost, I want to give God all the glory, all the praise, and all the worship. I also want to give uh, thanks to our pastor for allowing me to come before you and minister the word of the Lord. I, I pray that I'd be able to, to convey what God has placed in my heart. You know, it's so important uh, to be filled with the word. Uh, as well, I, I want to say that uh, it sure was a pleasure to see a lot of you this past Sunday. We had a uh, not a packed house, but a packed uh, parking, and it sure was a pleasure uh, to see it a lot. Uh, you know, we, we, we truly need each other. Uh, uh, we are uh, blessed by uh, each other, and so it sure was a pl- privilege to see a lot of you. Hey, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, uh, verse 21 to 24, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament, right smack in the middle of the, Old, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, and then towards the end, Jude uh, verse 14. It's a very small book, so if you have your iPads, uh, your phone, the written word, which I love, uh, I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after the birth of Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And this is what I want to focus on. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. I know some of you have iPads and they're probably faster than uh, turning them. Uh, So I've marked it. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was attested as having pleased God. Uh, Jude chapter, Jude, excuse me, Jude verse 14 says, It was also that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with his holy merits to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds and ungodliness which they had committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things which Ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now, the start of verse 14 says, It was of these also that Enoch in the seventh generation of Adam. Now, Enoch was a very popular name in Genesis chapter 4. We read of, uh, of Enoch. Uh, but this is not the Enoch that we're talking about. And this is not the Enoch that uh, Jude is emphasizing. And it's not the Enoch that we want to focus on in Gen- Genesis chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 11. And Jude, verse 14, uh, Genesis chapter 4 talks about Enoch. He is a descendant of Cain. As a matter of fact, he was so well known by the people that they named a city after him, the city of Enoch. Um, 
What we're focusing on is the descendant of Seth. He wasn't well known by the people, but he was well known by God. And before we go into the word, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads as we go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you. We acknowledge your presence in our midst. God, we ask, Lord, as as we have opened up this word, open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear your word, God. Let us be transformed, God. Let us live according to your will, to your purpose, and to your word. God, heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. That's how powerful it is, God. And as powerful it is, God, we ask that that power, God, that raised Jesus from the dead is that same power that is in us, God. And we ask, Lord, that you strengthen. Open my heart, Lord. Anoint my lips of clay, God, that I be able to speak your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And as a pastor says, amen. You know, someone has called uh, the fifth chapter of Genesis a desert of death. And you could almost see the caskets of the graves. And you could almost hear the widows weeping in the background. You could almost smell the stench of death that arises from this chapter. Because over and over and over again, we read the words, and he died. The last words of verse 5 says, and he died. Verse 8 says, and he died. Verse 11 says, and he died. Verse 14 says, and he died. Verse 17 says, and he died. Verse 20 says, and he died. Yet in the middle of the desert of death stands a lily of flower. A, a lily of life, a little flower called Enoch. Now, Enoch means dedicated. And it's interesting that very little is said about Enoch. In fact, more is said about Enoch in the New Testament than we find in the Old. There are about 51 words in the Old Testament about Enoch, but 94 words in the New Testament. And we are told something about Enoch in the New Testament that we are not told in the Old. And Enoch only had one claim to fame. You know, he never parted the Red Sea like Moses. He never slew a giant like David. He never wrestled with an angel like Jacob. He he was never swallowed uh, by a fish like Jonah. He never walked on water like Jesus. He didn't even as write as one verse in the Bible. The only thing that we are told of the substance about this man is what we read in Genesis chapter 5 verse 24, that Enoch walked with God. Now the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, translates it, God was pleased with Enoch. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, four words put this man Enoch in God's hall of fame. Now, I have learned that the real measure of a person is is not how much is said about that person, but what is said about that person. And a lot can be said about a person in just a few words. For example, we are told that David was a man after God's own heart. We are told that Abraham was a friend of God. We are told that Elijah was a man of God. But there is no greater testimony in all the Bible about a human being than this one given to Enoch that he walked with God. And no greater testimony can we have as believers in that we walk with God. And when you study the life of this incredible man who was one of only two men to have ever have lived but never have died, of course the other one was Elijah, He teaches us some great truths about life on earth 
and the life to come. Now, Enoch is a type and a figure of the rapture. You know, he was translated from this earth to eternity. And if we are faithful to God, and if we walk with God like Enoch walked with God, and if we are faithful to God, we too one day, the Bible says that the trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise up first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet Jesus in the air, and we, fo- we will be forever with God. So the first thing that we learn about this man Enoch is that we can enjoy intimate fellowship with God. Very simply, we are told in verse 22, Enoch walked with God. And as believers, we are told that we are to walk in the Spirit. Now, anybody can walk with God, but not everybody does. In fact, most people don't. But did you know that you can literally walk with God? You know, I read about a missionary in India who had led several people in a village to faith in Christ. And one of the new Christians walked up to him one day and said, I watch you very closely. I see how you walk with God. I see how, how you talk with God. He said, I want to ask you a question. Does God have favorites? You know, the missionary gave such a wise answer. He says, God does not have favorites, but he does have intimates. Now, let me ask you a personal question. Would you say that you enjoy intimate fellowship with God? Are you walking with God? Are you diligently seeking his presence in your life? You see, you will find as much of God as you seek him. You know, God said himself in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, let me just give you a fair warning. If you're going to have a walk with God and the the, the kind of intimate fellowship with God that Enoch did, you're going to have to take time to do it. If you're not walking with God, you are walking away from God. Now, you don't need to spend time with God because God needs to know you. God already knows you inside out, upside down, backwards and frontwards, north and south. The reason why you need to spend time with God is so that you can get to know him. Because the better you know God, the more you will be like God. You know, my wife and I, about 8.30, 9 o'clock, when it's, when it's cooler, uh, we take a, a walk around the block, around our neighborhood. And it's a time for us to connect. It's a time for us to walk. It's a, it's a time for us to, to talk and, and to, to have a, a fellowship. And, and we talk about different things. And, and I slip in a kiss here and there. But, but that's the type of relationship that we have. It, it, our relationship with my wife has grown. That's why it's so crucial that every Christian take time every day to what we call a quiet time. Where you spend time with God, walking with God, talking with God, uh, spending time with God. You see, the devil is never happier than when he can prevent you from spending quality time with God. You see, quality time is key. Spending quality time with God is so important. Why? Because there are many promises For those who do so. Psalms Psalms chapter 16 verse 11. Says in God's presence. There is fullness of joy. 
Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, God's joy is our strength. You see, the devil wants to steal your joy. He tried it with Jesus, but he failed. Look at what Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, the devil is not really after your stuff. He's not after your car. It can be replaced. Let me tell you, he's after your joy. He'll send a spirit of depression. He'll try to break up your marriage. If he can get your joy, let me tell you, he knows we won't be strong in the Lord. And you will lose focus on God. We must focus our walk on God. God has given us the authority over the enemy. That means you don't have to let the devil run your life. You don't have to believe his lies. You can resist him and bind him as you pray in faith that God's will be done. That's why the scripture says submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he must flee. Now notice also, Enoch walked with God. God didn't walk with Enoch. God was not going Enoch's way. Enoch was going God's way. If you are going to walk with God, you're going to have to go his direction. He will not go your direction. In order for you to walk with God, you have to be committed to doing God's will. God never walks in our direction. We have to walk in His direction. We must go His direction and not our direction. You know, Abraham, he left Ur and, and settled into the land of Haran. And, and the Bible says that God called Abraham. And Abraham just got up and walked with God. You know, God made a promise. He made a pact. He made a covenant with Abraham. Abraham didn't make a covenant with God. The children of Israel. The Bible says that after 400 years uh, enslaved, the Bible says that God led them during the day with a cloud and a night, a pillar of fire. You know, our problem is we want God to follow us, to conform to our standards, to our ways and not to His. We want to sugarcoat the scriptures to fit a narrative. When you know we are living in a society that is increasingly hostile to God's truth and God's people. And as Christians, we are to live as sojourners, exiles, blessing the world around us by refusing to conform to its patterns, thoughts, and behaviors. As Augustine said, Sometimes we must stand against the world for the good of the world. Now notice also that he walked with God. That means he did not walk ahead of God. He did not walk behind God. He just walked with God. I don't know what all that means, but I have to admit it's, it's an exciting thing to, to think that he literally walked with God. Now, the second thing that we can learn about Enoch is we can exercise intense faith with God. We can exercise intense faith with God. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. And here is what we read. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him. 
For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. You know, above everything else, Enoch was a man of faith. That's why he could leave behind his testimony that he pleased God. And what was, what was it about his faith that pleased God? Now I've already told you, he obeyed God. So my question is, do you want to please God? You know, I heard Chuck Swindoll say, say one time, if you please God, it doesn't matter who you don't please. But if you don't please God, it doesn't matter who you do please. If you want to please God, you will believe God. If you believe God, you will obey God. You know, nothing pleases God like faith. And the faith that pleases God obeys God. That's why Enoch was pleased with God. If God said jump, Enoch said how high? If God said speak, Enoch said how loud? If God said give, Enoch said how much? If God said go, Enoch said how quickly? That's exactly what James meant when he says faith without works is dead. You see, real faith is not something that somebody says that they have. Real faith is something somebody shows you that they have. Real faith doesn't say, I believe people ought to hear about Jesus. Real people tell people about Jesus. Real faith doesn't say, I believe in giving. Real faith tithes. Real faith doesn't say, I believe in the Bible. Real faith studies the Bible. Real faith doesn't say, I believe in the church. Real faith goes to church, serves the church, supports the church, and supports the pastor. Can someone out there say amen? You know, Enoch not only believed the will of God, he believed the word of God. Look at verse 21. Now, this verse seems a little innocuous. Because it doesn't say much, but it speaks volume to us. Now it says in verse 21, Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Methuselah, oh, how I would love to have an hour to speak on Methuselah. You know, wrapped up in the name Methuselah is a fascinating story. You know, in the Bible, names were far more important than they are today. And we don't really give a whole lot of thought to names uh, most of the time, although uh, sometimes we should. Uh, you know, I, I heard about a robber who broke into a house thinking uh, that no one was home, only to find a frightened uh, owners in the bed watching television. And he pointed the gun at the woman and said, what's your name? And she said, Elizabeth. He said, this is your lucky day. I can't shoot anybody named Elizabeth because that was my father, my mother's name. He turned to the husband and said, what's your name? The man said, well, my name is Harry, but everybody calls me Elizabeth. You know, in the Bible, names were very special and important because they always carried a, a special meaning. And behind the name Methuselah was a very special meaning that showed us how strong Enoch's faith was. Now, the name Methuselah means when he is dead, it will come or it will be sent. Well, what is the it? 
Now, this is a prophecy of the flood that was coming to the earth. From the very moment that Methuselah was born, Enoch knew that God's judgment was on its way. In fact, Enoch knew that as long as Methuselah was alive, the judgment of God would not occur, would not occur and, that, and, and what would exactly happen. But the moment Methuselah died, God sent the flood on earth. Now, now how do we know that? Well, this is, a fast, this is really fascinating. So stay with me. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 25, we are told that at the age of 187, Methuselah became the father of Lamech. And we are told in verse 28 and 29 that when Lamech was 182, he became the father of Noah. Now, when you add up 187 and 182, you get 369. So Methuselah was 369 years old when his grandson Noah was born. So when did the flood come? Well, Genesis chapter 7 verse 11 tells us that the flood came exactly at the 600 years of Noah's life. And when you add 600 to 369, you get 969, which is exactly how many years Methuselah lived according to Genesis chapter 5, verse 27. Yeah, what am I trying to say? The very moment that Methuselah drew his last breath, God shut the door of the ark and sent the flood. In other words, Methuselah was God's ticking time bomb of judgment. You know, when I was in Sunday school as a kid, uh, one of the Bible trivia's facts I learned early uh, on was the oldest man to have ever lived was Methuselah. He lived 969 years. And it's not a coincidence that Methuselah was given the privilege of being the oldest man ever to live. Well, did you know why he lived longer than anyone? Because it illustrates just how patient and long-suffering God is. God gave the world almost a thousand years to repent and get right with him before he sent the flood. And let me tell you that Jesus is coming. Yes, we've heard it for a while. And maybe you've heard it more than once or more than twice, but let me tell you that Jesus is coming. And so often I admit and I wonder why doesn't Jesus go ahead and come back? Why doesn't he return and set this world straight? Why does God put up with all the sin and iniquity and wickedness and rebellion that we are seeing in the world today? It's not because God is asleep. It's not because God is apathetic. It's not because God doesn't hate sin. It's not because God is not holy. It's because God is patient and desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge and the truth of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's given you the opportunity to repent. That's right. He's given you the opportunity to repent. Oh, pastor's throwing a lot of rocks. No, I'm throwing arrows and I'm hoping that they'll hit. God is giving you the opportunity to repent. Repent doesn't mean I messed up. It doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means a change of mind. In other words, stop living in sin. 
Stop living in sin. The day of tomorrow is not guaranteed. Repent. God is giving us the opportunity today to get our lives straight, to get right with God. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not uh, the following week. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is the day you need to get right with God. He's giving you that opportunity. That's exactly what we're told in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where it says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Enoch had an unbelievably intense faith in God. And we can trust God the same way. The third thing we we learn about Enoch is that we can experience an incredible future with God. After 300 years of faithfully walking with God, Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, century after century, we are simply told in verse 24, Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Now think about that. 24-7, for 300 years, God and Enoch walked together. Can you just... Just in your mind's eye, see that this afternoon. They were out walking and they were out talking and they were out fellowshipping. Amen. And, and, and I can imagine Enoch looking at God and saying, God, well, it's, it's getting late. I, I'm going home. I can just hear God looking at Enoch and saying, Enoch, you're not going home. But it's not good. a good night. But it is good by earth. And he took him immediately to heaven. Now what is the lesson? I think it is incredible to see Enoch how he was taken. He was raptured. He was taken up. Which one day will happen to every Christian When Jesus comes back to this planet, the big deal about Enoch was not how he was taken, but where he went. He went to be with the Lord. And that's the desire of every believer. That's the desire of every Christian, is to be with the Lord. Now I want to tell you today, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter where you, whether you go through the grave or you go through the clouds. Either way, whether you die before Jesus returns or whether Jesus returns before you die, God will take you with him. Praise God. God will take you with him. You know, I, I, heard, a, I heard about a man that had moved into a neighborhood. And he happened to be talking to his next door neighbor for the first time. And they were just getting to know one another. And the man said, you know, I've been married 
four times. And his friends were shocked. He said, what happened? He said, well, I was married 15 years to my first wife and the Lord took her home. I was married to my second wife 10 years and the Lord took her home. I was married to my third wife for nine years and the Lord took her home. He paused and then said, I've been married seven years to my fourth wife and anytime the Lord wants her, he can take her home too. You know, one of these days when the Lord wants you, he's going to take you home. Maybe it will be like Enoch and Elijah raptured through the clouds. Maybe it will be like Jesus dying on a cross. Maybe it'll be like Paul beheaded for his faith. But either way, if you walk with God when you die, you are going to walk with God and you are going to be with God for eternity. You know, I want to tell you a true story as I conclude. About a little boy named John Todd who was born over 200 years ago in Rutland, Vermont. Shortly after his death, his family moved to a little village called Killingsworth. And when he was six years old, both of his parents died. The children in the home had to be uh, parceled among the, the relatives and a kind-hearted aunt who lived in North King, Kingsworth agreed to take John and give him a home. He lived with her until 15 years later when he went away to study for the gospel ministry. And when he was middle-aged, his aunt, his aunt became desperately ill and realized that she was dying. In great distress, she wrote this uh, nephew of hers a very sad letter asking questions like, what will death be like? Will it mean the end of everything? Will there be uh, death? Will there be beyond death a chance of continue living? Continue growing? Continue loving? Can you give me any comfort Here's the letter her minister, nephew Todd, wrote. He said, Dear Aunt, it's now 35 years since a little boy of six was left quite alone in the world. You sent me word that you would give me a home and be kind, a kind mother to me. I've never forgotten that day when I made that long journey 10 miles to your house in North Killingsworth. I can still recall my disappointment when Instead of coming for me yourself, you sent a man named Caesar to come for me. I remember my tears and my anxiety and getting on that horse and clinging tight to Caesar. I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey. As it grew dark, I became lonely and afraid. I said to this man, do you think my aunt will go to bed before I get there? He said, oh no, she will stay up for you. When we get out of these woods, you will see her candle shining in the window. Soon we did, right? Out clearly, and, and there was a candle. And I remember you were waiting at the door, and you put your arms around me, and you lifted me up from that horse. 
You had a big fire burning on the hearth and hot supper waiting for me on the stove. And after supper, you took me to my new room. You heard me say my prayers and you sat me down. You sat down beside me until I fell asleep. You probably realize why I'm, I am recalling all of this to your memory. Someday soon, dear aunt, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the call. Don't fear the journey. Don't even fear, fear the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you will find love and a welcome waiting for you. You will be safe in God's care. I shall watch you and pray for you until you are out of sight and then wait for that day when I shall make that same journey myself and find you waiting at the end of the road to greet me. You see, church, if we walk with God on this earth, that's, that is what we will have waiting for us at the end of our journey. A loving God who will take us home to be with him and he will be with us. Jesus Christ says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me, believe also in God. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. Therefore, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. So that where I am, ye may be also. Church, don't grow weary in walking and talking, and serving God. Don't, go, don't grow weary of serving the Lord. Because at the end, God has a reward for each and every one who has been faithful to Him. I understand that this pandemic has been difficult and hard for us. You could see it in the lives and in the face of many people. You can see the tiredness and the weariness, the disappointment. But just as Enoch walked with God and he was translated, church, we too can be translated from this earth to eternity. The life of a man, the Bible says, is only 80 years, 70 years, 80, if it be so. So let's not grow weary. Let's not get tired. Let's serve the Lord with gladness and with joy. And one day we will have our reward in heaven. Are you walking with God? Are you walking with the Lord? We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. 
From today on, I will follow you. Transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.